HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. This is our 304th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a longtime New York City restaurant managing partner who's added owner to his title, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to restore. Did you know that the word restaurant actually derives from the French word restaurer, which means to restore? Therefore, making an eating house an establishment with food that restores. It's true. And as restaurants restore us to a better place of being, we can also revive or renew them, preserving the past while creating new meaningful experiences for the future. So let's be restorative. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guest joining me. It is Brett Census. He is the owner of Gotham, where he has been the managing partner for the past 10 years ensuring that the restaurant, formerly known as Gotham Bar and Grill, lives up to its legacy while continuing to push boundaries as a leader in the New York dining scene. During his time at the helm, Brett has also helped develop the Gotham Chocolates program, as well as a collection of fine culinary products under the label Gotham Selections. And he has demonstrated his commitment to New York and the food movement through his ongoing work with Grow NYC. Without further ado, hi, Brett. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to talk with you. I feel I've known you through the industry for, for a, a, quite a while, um, but I don't, I don't know your whole background, and I want to hear everything happening now with Gotham. So um, <laughs> let's, let's start out, though, a little bit with your work history, because from what I saw from a longer bio, you had started in a career in film before food. Yeah, well, you know, I probably not unlike a lot of people, I, I moved to New York uh, because I wanted to be a part of something, you know, bigger and, and bolder. Um, so I moved here with this idea that I would find a career or some intellectual stimulation in the, the world of journalism and, and writing. Um, I graduated from the College of Journalism. Um, but when I got here, I the first thing that happened is somebody got me a job in a restaurant. Uh, but it was typical, like just uh, just there part time while I was trying to find myself, um, and that was truly my introduction to the restaurant world. 
Um, but I quickly thereafter got involved in working with some theater groups and got involved in producing, which then eventually led to commercial work. And then I got involved in, uh, in film and in video production. From there, uh, we started uh, a studio, a small studio where we were doing independent films and independent productions, which uh, resulted in me getting involved in a independent film uh, that was a 35 millimeter that we were still shooting on film in the 90s. Uh, but we were running out of money. So I took a part-time job working for Danielle Balud in his private events uh, department. And I found that I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I liked being around the people enough. And I, I really enjoyed working for Danielle. Uh, so I asked him for a full-time job. And uh, he made me his assistant uh, banquet director. And essentially, uh, the rest is history. I was, I was stuck. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, that's, that's, yeah, well, that's a good, I mean, I, I would guess working for him could, would or could draw anyone into the industry because he's so amazing. Um, he really is. And, and, you know, he's, he, he, he taught me a lot about, uh, you know, the pursuit of perfection, uh, and how to deal with the fact that it's, it's almost never achievable, but the, the attempts and the journey toward perfection is, is worth the pain. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, spoken to someone who works in restaurants now. <laughs> um, so, so then what led you to Gotham Bar and Grill? So, I, uh, you know, after five years in private events with da at Danielle, uh, Danielle asked me to uh, take the leadership position at the dining room in uh, Cafe Balloud, where I worked for two years. And I worked with a lot of great people over there. And somebody recommended me to Alfred and uh, the partners uh, at Gotham when they were looking for a new GM. And uh, and they basically recruited me. And that would have been, I think it was 2007. Yes, and the restaurant, and, for, and people, I, I assume people listening to the show know who Alfred is, but it's Alfred Portali, who is the chef from from when the restaurant first opened. Is that correct? Well, you know, the, the story of Alfred's great. You know, he came in uh, one year after the restaurant was open and the restaurant was struggling. And he reimagined re it and uh, uh, brought uh, really sort of uh, high-level cooking uh, to a downtown restaurant in an open environment. And that was relatively uh, revolutionary in 1985 when he joined. Uh, so that he really, he really put the restaurant onto an extraordinary trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, for someone who works with restaurants and sees and just loves and, and my whole life is about restaurants, but when restaurants reach like a five year anniversary, I feel like it's a huge milestone and then 10. And so the fact that Gotham, you know, was born in 1984 and got to 36 years is just pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good, it, it's been a good run and it, and it didn't feel like it was time to be over, which is why we're talking, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So, so, so talk about that because so, and tell us about, I mean, the changes that happened when Alfred Portali, he, he left, I know, uh, Victoria Blamey came in as a new chef. Um, yeah. and then there was a pandemic. So a lot of things happened. <laughs> yeah. There was a, it was a very quick nine months. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. It was interesting, you know. Um, Alfred decided, you know, he wanted to open Portales, you know, his namesake, and, and an Italian concept that I think he'd been dreaming about for a long time. In fact, you know, we we had talked about it uh, over the years as well. Um, the idea of an Italian concept, which really speaks to his his uh, heritage, and and really he has a, he has a great love of Italy. Um, so when, when he wanted to do that, you know, that, that, then it was like, well, what do we do? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we did, went through several rounds of tastings and interviews and talking to lots of people. And, uh, you know, we, we landed on, on Victoria after her tastings. Um, and, you know, she, you know, it was it was certainly a transition was uh, challenging. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think that uh, anytime you you introduce newness, it's uh, it's difficult. But it was 
it was a time that we were able to uh, look at what we were doing and why we we're doing it. And, you know, unfortunately, I think because the pandemic came so quickly after our our review and all, we really never hit our stride. Um, and then the pandemic just really stopped us from growing with her. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've been to the, I've been to the restaurant of the years and I also know you've, I mean, through, and when she came on, maintained um, your three-star um, status with the New York Times, which is incredible. Yep. But yeah, then there was a pandemic came obviously bringing on change. So, um, so talk about what, what happened then um, with this past year and a half and your decision then to become or take ownership, which is huge. Yeah. The, you know, I think the partners were, were looking and they saw, you know, they re, they, 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 the restaurant sort of reluctantly closed because they concluded that we couldn't lose, we couldn't afford to lose the revenue for such an indefinite length of time. As we saw the pandemic coming, they were like, wow, this is, they felt very strongly that this was not going to be a short-term thing. And so that's what led to their decision to say, hey, we had a good run. Um, they have other businesses and other interests and, and, and are further along in life. So they wanted to close. I didn't want to. And I still felt that, that uh, the restaurant had a lot to give and that, that, like New York is bound to do, it was going to recover at some point, not knowing when. And so I immediately, even when we were closing down, I was immediately uh, making plans to to find a way to reopen the restaurant. In fact, within a month, I was talking to the the, the landlord and renegotiating a lease. And wow! So and and so, how have you how have you now decided to with the reopening with with I mean, you're changing the name or you're dropping the bar and grill or I mean, yeah. Prison. So. You know, the, 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 the sense, well, I didn't answer your full question last time that I'm recalling because you asked, how did you spend the last, the, the rest of the, the time? Um, you know, uh, so let me speak to that for a second, because I think it's interesting the the levels and the, and the, and the, the various stages we've gone through, because it took us, it did take us about three or four months to negotiate a lease. And as, as we all remember, the pandemic was sort of just getting worse and worse and worse. And I have two children and, and a wife and everyone was cooped up in about, you know, 1100 square feet of space and scared. I mean, we had no idea what was going to happen. Um, so we actually moved out of the city to my in-laws in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and I was flying back and forth during the pandemic uh, to, to make this deal happen. Um, and it was uh, well. That's all it was crazy. Full of conflicts. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It, I have to say, it was extremely difficult. You know, yeah. my wife was, you know, very concerned for the future and what we were going to do. Um, and at one point, I remember a, a distinct conversation with her, and then, and she, you know, I said, "Well, I'm I'm reopening Gotham," and and she said, "Well, well what if that doesn't happen? What's the plan B?" And I remember this conversation because um, it wasn't easy uh, and it was somewhat heated. And I said, you can't have a plan B. There's no plan B. We just have to make this happen. Um, and that was, a, that, that was a resolve that I realized that I had and how much I felt about this place and about this restaurant and about the city that we almost abandoned. Um, so when it came time to reimagining, so when we finally got a lease and it looked like, and I had the, the backing of my, uh, new partner, Kevin Conrad, and, and we had a, you know, a sense that this was actually happening. And of course we thought that was going to happen in the fall of 2020. And then we thought it was going to happen in the spring of 2020, 2021, but we've, we've hit, you know, lots of roadblocks and delays for various reasons. And now it's happening in the the fall of 2021, which suddenly feels perfect. Um, but along the way, it was, uh, the, the thinking was, well, why are you doing this? And, and how is it going to be different? And, and what do you want it to be? And, and again, that changed with every 
new wave or, or various uh, conditions that we found New York to be in. But people often refer to this place as a New York institution. And I took that to heart. And I said, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to, to have an institution? And, and one of my former partners uh, was very involved with uh, the, the, what's the club on? National Arts Club? No, the club on, that Jeff Bliss is in. University. Oh, the University Club. And I used to take me there occasionally and was like, this is a this is an institution. But that didn't feel like the the right uh, institution for a restaurant. And and so I, w- I wanted to pay homage to a city that has meant so much to me and in creating my identity. And I think that the, the, the restaurant itself draws its name from the city. Uh, so Every step of the way, we thought, well, how do we create a, a, a more meaningful place uh, to celebrate the city? And so that really became a guide for decisions on how do we alter it? What are we doing to the space? How do we look at the menu now, today versus uh, years ago or, or even just before we closed? So the, the, those, those principles and those ideas are, are what shaped what we're doing today. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful to get that background. And, and yeah, I feel, I mean, you definitely have a connection um, uh, with the, with the, with the space that it was, it was way more than just a job, you know, and it's, I think it's wonderful that you've where, you know, where you're taking it or what's to come. So let's, um, let's talk about your decision. Well, because I read how pastry chef, Ron mm-hmm. Paprocki, is that how you pronounce his name? Paprocki, um, yeah. Paprocki um, is now your executive chef. So yeah. um, that's that's cool. Um, was that, I mean, how did that decision come about? Well, Ron and I uh, and our families have been connected for, you know, the past eight, nine years. Um, and and we've, we've, we've formed a, a, a strong friendship uh, alongside working together. We understand each other very well, and I think we have a, a great amount of respect for each other and, and, and what we bring to the table in different capacities. So Ron, as a pastry chef, you know, uh, so early on, we, we kept the chocolate program going. So first of all, should know that Ron and I started Gotham Chocolates uh, in 2015, and uh, so we worked on all that together, including the branding, wh- what we're doing with it, how we want it to be presented. Um, so we had a nice working relationship and we were still working together because we were still making chocolate. We were still selling chocolates. And I, you know, he supported my idea to open the restaurant. And one day, I think it occurred to me and I just said to him, how do you feel about taking over the kitchen? And, and really, I was thinking about it as knowing how he manages and how he deals with people and how, and the great respect that he has for the craft of cooking. And, you know, I, I, this is probably a little bit of hindsight, but uh, um, I think he said something like, I, I thought you'd never ask. Um, and he immediately took to it. And I said, do you think you can do it? And he said, you know, he made a joke about uh, pastry in pastry. We think about everything we do before we do it. Um, so, you know, I would apply the same skill set and thinking, uh, to the savory side. And of course he's always cooked at home and I've, I've eaten with him and, uh, food from him many, many times at his house. So I knew he could, I know he, he could do it. And I trusted in his talent and his ability to, uh, think at, think and produce something thoughtful and meaningful. So what can what t- what can we expect on the menu? Like, what's the what's the food going to be like? Will it will be at all similar to the past, or are you going fresh yeah, and new? I, I, no, I, I mean the menu is 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 reflective of probably more reflective of say Alfred's food, where with whom you know Ron worked for for many years, um, but it is wholly his own. There's a couple of uh, homages to some of the more popular dishes under, uh, you know, for 35 years before Alfred left. And just as like a, a, 
to carry on the theme that we're trying to do, which is like, we want you to remember the space for what it is. We want you to remember the food for what you remember it to be, but, but also say, Hey, there's something new, something different, you know, here. Um, and so, so it's, it's really what we would, I'd still call it modern American food. It's, it's steeped in French technique, uh, but it has worldwide influences. And, you know, there's a lot of it is about where we can source the highest quality, most sustainable uh, food, uh, I mean, ingredients. So that leads to a lot of the, the decisions, like where can we get and what can we get that's as local as possible, that's the highest quality, that's farmed, grown, uh, or raised in, in the most responsible manner. Cool. And what about the design? Um, is it is it going to be very different? Um, I mean, the space, it's such a, I guess I'd say it has good bones, <laughs> really yeah. good bones. No, it really does. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful space. In fact, uh, the, the original founder was uh, stopped by today to, to look at it. And Jerry Kretschmer, who built the place in 1983. And, you know, I was a little nervous for him to see some of the changes we did. Uh, but he was very, very pleased. So that 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 was that was heartwarming for me. Um, well, the way it began is, there, you know, you live in a space for as long as I did before the pandemic, and you're like constantly there are things you you always wanted to improve, but you never take the time. You don't want to commit the money. You don't want to take the time off, et cetera. So it really started there. And I said, well, I've always wanted to 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 make this modification in the bar area. I've always wanted to create. A, a, a better entrance to the restaurant. Um, and then I called the original designer architect, Jim Bieber, to tell him all the things that I wanted to do. And basically, I was asking him to bless the idea so that they wouldn't compromise the original intention or vision. And uh, he came in, we walked around, we spent a couple hours together talking about things. And this was one of his first jobs out of uh, architecture school. Um, so he's like, yeah, there's always these things that I would have liked to do differently, but you know, it is what it is. And we spent two hours and he, at the end, he said, you know what? I agree with everything you're doing. Go ahead, proceed. And so that was great. And then three days later, he called me and said, you know what? I want to do it. And so the same designer who built the restaurant in 1983 is actually doing the redesign. So once again, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And it's been great working with Jim. Um, you know, he's had a, He's had a great career since then uh, and is highly respected in his own right now. Um, and we've, we've gotten to work very closely together um, over the course of the last six months. Um, and everything has been very thoughtful. You know, what was it? What was the intention? How do we make it? How do we take it from being, as he says, postmodern to just modern? So really, the design feels very much the same. But there are there will be noticeable differences uh, when you walk in the room. Cool! I can't wait to come in. I'm get I'm like it's um it's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, what 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 timeline are we kind of looking at now? When do you hope, think you'll get it open? Yeah, I think I think that we'll start doing you know friends and family and industry uh, end of October, beginning of November, and I hope that by November 9th, we're, we're officially fully open to the public. All right. Soon. Yeah. Soon. So we're getting there. Yeah, we're, we're on that last mad dash to get things finished in the dining room. And we started to, to train staff and uh, review the new menu and, and, and talk through all that. So we're, we're close to the, the end here. Yeah. Or, or I should say the new beginning. So yeah, I'm just thinking about what it's what it has to have been like for you then through the pandemic and this whole process. I mean, it's 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 a lot. Uh, I, I would imagine, um, be, you know, taking I, I, ownership I, and I've I've done. You know, for me personally, it's been an incredibly challenging, difficult, stressful period, um, but it's also been exhilarating and. Uh, enlightening you know there are things that i've never done before uh, you know I, i've never negotiated a lease in, for manhattan real estate never uh gone out and raised money from investors uh at, to this level uh and certainly not during a pandemic in the restaurant business i can't tell you what it was like asking somebody for money in 
in August of uh, 2020 yeah. for a restaurant in Manhattan when people were like, the city is done. I mean, I, re- I literally had people tell me that, that Manhattan would, would never come back. And I, was like, I just couldn't believe it that people actually thought that. Um, but at the time, you know, we none of us had been through anything like this. So yeah. and then and then, you know, basically going through a construction project and, and managing construction in Manhattan, it's challenging, you know, navigating the the, the permitting and, and all the details. Um, so all that adds up to, yeah, it was a it was a very interesting year and a half, <laughs> to say the least challenging yeah but i feel i feel you're like the light at the end of the to- tunnels is where it's close it's it's there we can see it yeah how about your team do you have do you have a lot returning staff members that were with the restaurant for a while or, or we have we have quite move? a few um you know we we lost a lot of people i mean obviously there was a lot of people who were loyal to alfred when the when the kitchen uh when he when he opened Portale, you know we expected it, and uh, there were a lot of people we lost then. So um, we don't have a lot in the culinary side, although we do have a, a few returning people. Some people who worked in the kitchen uh, for since you know 1995. Um, we have uh, a lot of people in the front of the house who are now returning. Um, I wish we had more. I think a lot of people, as we all know, left New York and have not returned. Uh, so we have a real mix. We have a lot of new people, but we have, we have a, we have a lot of old, uh, older people. Yeah. Well, that's good. A mix is good. So yeah. let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 303. I had on Sheldon Simeon. He is the chef and owner of Tin Roof, which is in Maui, Hawaii. And he wants to know, as every type of restaurant concept continues to open, is it more important to preserve an iconic restaurant or progress and push the envelope? So he's saying, so preserve or invent? Well, I've, I've looked at this as a responsibility to the past, but with an eye towards the future. So I'm going to say, I think it's important to do both. And it, it, it's, I think in a rest, uh, you know, Gotham has always looked at w- what are the new trends, what is changing, how do we evolve. So, looking at improving and innovating is something that we've always done. You know, certainly maybe much slower than 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 the latest and greatest that keep popping up every everywhere here or there, and um, we're not necessarily. Uh, concept driven in the in the sense that we're not a, a, a malaysian concept or all french concept i mean that's the great thing about being an american restaurant because it is such a blend uh, and you can be so creative using uh influences from around the world so i felt our legacy deserved to be respected and upheld at the same time we needed to think about what it meant to be gotham for the next 35 years. Yeah. That's was, was a great answer. And it's pretty, I mean, I'm just thinking as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the name Gotham. I mean, the fact that you're, you have that name, it is your name and you're in Manhattan. It's a, uh, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed what you said in, in your tips, uh, you know, about the, 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 the French route uh, for restaurants. Um, and then to be honest with you, I've incorporated that in our training, in our service manual for a number of years. And it was also something that I thought about when we were reimagining what this restaurant would be. And for instance, I'll give you a, a little tidbit of one of a new area in the restaurant. We took the front of the restaurant, and we turned it into a lounge area. Uh, and it was directly influenced by the idea of like, let's let this place be a place where people in the neighborhood or coming to visit can find a place that they can rest or restore themselves. And so we have a, a really great uh, lounge area that is uh, highlighted by a, a new bookcase that's going to be curated by the Strand, who's been our neighbor over here for, for many years, and Nancy 
Uh, Bass Wyden is a is a great friend to the restaurant and to me personally. So she and her team are going to actually, you know, curate books on an ongoing basis that we think people should pay attention to. Maybe don't read it all, but come in, sit down, and know that somebody else is saying this is an important thing to look at. And and you don't have to seek it out. It's it, we're presenting it, and it's curated. And I think that in today's world where we're so inundated with so much information that having, we wanted that to be a, a sort of sense of peace for people. Like come in and say, oh, I don't really know what to read, but here's something interesting that, that the Strand is telling me is of the moment. So that's, that's that, that idea of restoration and meaningfulness uh, is part of what we're trying to do differently here. Ah, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, that's great. And um, yeah, I think it is, I, I, the roots of the word restaurant and restore is it's, it's a cool, it's a cool. It's beautiful. It really is. And I was, I've been thinking like, as I've been out and about uh, when I'm biking around Manhattan and I go down 12th street and I just see the paper in front of the windows and I'm like, waiting, waiting for it to be taken down. And now I can envision, you know, the front. Well, I, I can't really. I sort of now see what you, it's exciting. You're doing something different in the front. Um, so I look forward to, to coming in soon, soon. Yes. Okay. So let's take a little break and we will come back. We'll play my speed round game, talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Brett Census. He is the owner of Gotham Restaurant, the beloved 1984 restaurant reinvented and reopening in New York City's Greenwich Village. So, Brett, it's time for my speed round game. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? I am. All right, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Indoor dining. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Champagne. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Both. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you can have both. <laughs> uh, communal table or chef's counter? Communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tricky question. Um, right, that one might be tricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a lot to say on that topic, but um, I would say I'm probably a fan of all-inclusive. Got it. Is is will Gotham be tipping or all inclusive? No, we'll be tipping. Yeah. Um, yeah that it that that that's a standard one. I've been asking people for a while, and it's always um, yeah, it's a topic of conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, a few more. I have mm-hmm. dark chocolate or white chocolate. Ooh, dark chocolate, but white is such a close second. Okay. Do you do white chocolate? 
chocolate at with your chocolates? We do. Well. I think we have. I think we have one of the most fantastic white chocolates out there because it's made with this highly prized Swiss milk. It, it's it's very complex. It's it's incredible. It has it has terroir, if you will. Ooh, wow. Okay, I'm intrigued. Um, running or biking? Well, I'm running the marathon this year, so I'll choose running. Yeah. Well, I saw that and I was like, <laughs> you go. Because I just had Andrea Strong on my show and she's running it too. Oh, is she really? Wow. Yeah. Good for yeah. her. Good for you guys. It's awesome. Okay. Last two. Cheese plate or dessert? Mm. Yeah, you make it hard. Okay. Dessert. <laughs> dessert. Okay. Manhattan or Brooklyn is the last one. Manhattan. There we go. That was great. It's fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. Cool. Okay. So for industry news, I have two articles. One is in response to the other one. Um, the first was on New York Magazine's Grub Street, and it's entitled, Who Wants Caviar at a, at a Time Like This? Fine Dining Confronts a Perilous New Threat Irrelevance. And this was by Adam Platt. Yes. The second article um, is in the New York Post, and it's entitled, No, Fine Dining Isn't Dead. Here's Why New Yorkers Will Still Want Caviar by Steve Cuzo. So I, I would assume I, you probably saw these pieces. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly read Adam's. And I, I'm, unfortunately, I think I missed Steve's, which sounds great. And I'd like to read it. So I will. But um. Yeah, I initially caught Steve's because I was on Twitter. And he actually like tagged Adam Platt in his tweet saying like, Hey, Adam, look at this. Um, mm -hmm. And cause he, so we really wrote it in a response or maybe you would have written it anyway, but yeah, I'd love to know what you think of this. Cause it's like, I mean, for people, people in New York um, familiar with the restaurant scene, these are, these are two um, top, you know, really, uh, I don't know, relevant, important people who cover restaurants in the industry. Adam Platt is the reviewer for Grub Street. Steve Guzzo was the Absolutely. reviewer for the New York Post. Now he more writes um, just about restaurants, but um, they're, they're deaf off. They, they definitely have experience and no restaurants. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, whether, whether Adam Platt calling that fine dining, no one wants this anymore. It's irrelevant because of the pandemic. Um, it's a strong statement. And, and Steve Cuso is saying, no, everyone, you know, since the pandemic, people want this now more than ever. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can imagine what Steve is saying. First of all, Adam, lives around the corner and uh, is, is, is often seen at the bar here when we were open. And so he's a friend of the restaurant as well as having reviewed it and talked about it over, over the course of many, many years. And, and the same thing for Steve. Um, so I know both of them, um, probably know Steve a little bit better than Adam, but um, I respect both of, the, of them and, and their long history of writing about restaurants in New York City in particular. You know, the thing that struck me about um, Adam, well, you know, when I read that article, I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, 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 I find that if I understand him correctly, it, it is. And it, cause I think there is a fine line between, I think there's a, there's a parallel between these two in the sense that what Adam seemed to be reacting against is, is this idea of, uh, of the tasting menu and the sort of extended and, and long, uh, dining experience with with lots of uh, pomp and circumstance, um, and and Steve is saying, you, I would imagine Steve because I didn't read that one, but but you know Steve was probably saying, look, people want to be pampered and treated well, and and and, and having the, the the feeling that they're being taken care of. So I I, I think people, I do think people want beauty, and I think they want. Uh, excellence, and I, I and I think this this transcends generations too. I I don't think that this is just an older generation. Um, so I think they're both right. I, I it sounds like a, a political answer in many ways, but I I think that in many ways the 
the Uber fine dining tasting menu uh, and all the restrictions that, that diners have to put up with at times uh, may feel a little tired for many people. That said, I do think people are going to want to come to restaurants that are serving the highest quality product crafted by uh, artists and kitchens and, 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 and feel the beauty of a great room. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm sort of banking on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I, I, um, I, yeah, I was thinking my take, I'm kind of in the middle of it myself. Um, I don't, I, I think in the pandemic, people, people maybe started reevaluating a little bit of, of how they spend their money or what their time. And, um, but I think the appreciation for, for food and fine dining, um, never really or hasn't gone away or wouldn't go away. And I think people really appreciate it and want to be taken care of and want that the lug, the luxury too um, of eating out. And um, I, I noted in the, in the, in the Kuzo piece, he, he did, he did talk a little about how fine dining was pronounced dead after nine 11 and after the mm-hmm. wall street crash in 2007. And, and actually I should point out in the, the wonderful piece you wrote, the road to Gotham, which mm-hmm. is on your website, um, you you cited those yep. time periods, you know, miles uh, what, um, in, in our in our um, timeline. New York City history, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, please, it, people. It's it's like people said then, and they're saying now it's dead. I don't personally. I don't think it will ever be dead. I just I think I think people. I think you got to pick and choose though when you want to go out and splurge on a meal a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not like a typical customer because I, I'm I'm in the industry. And You're so in like, the business, you know. yeah. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Also, I think as someone as you know, I had Steve Cuso on my podcast a couple of years ago, and it was actually really great to talk with him and get to know him better. And he, as a as a publicist, he works with restaurants, and just over the years following him, he was more. I don't know, he would rant and he was, I think, a little more of a bah humbug. And so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel he's in the pandemic, just from reading him, he's he's taken a more positive approach. He's, you know, pretty yeah. much become a the cheerleader, cheerleader. of restaurants, yeah. Yeah. which is great. You know, I think, to be honest with you, I think both these men and in, in their writing have, you know, been champions of yes. Of, of New York dining in New York restaurants. And they have really, both of them furthered the conversation around food. And, and, and I think that in the most positive way. So um, while there's always the, the sort of reviewer fear that you, and, and the management of that, that you, and the responsibility to it that you have as an operator, I think these, I think, I think of these two men as, uh, as friends of the restaurants. Yes, I agree with that. And I I have a feeling Adam Platt is going to be in one of your first customers and um, we'll see, appreciating some little fine dining. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, you know. So, um, yeah, well, cool. Okay, so um, before my solo dining experience, just a little announcement. Uh, starting tomorrow, guess what? The NYC Wine and Food Festival is back. This is the 2021 Food Network and Cooking Channel New York City Wine and Food Festival presented by Capital One. It's taking place October 14th through 17th here in New York City. Uh, Its mission is to eat, drink, and feed New York City. Uh, It's led by founder Lee Brian Schrager, who's also a past guest of this show, and it's supporting God's Love, We Deliver, and Food Bank for New York City. I will be attending several events. I know I'm going to go to the Burger Bash, which is tomorrow night. Uh, one of my clients is doing um, there's a new event. It's a drag brunch hosted by David Burka and Neil Patrick Harris. Um, Serbi Sani of Tagma, who I work with, is doing that event, which sounds super fun. Um, so yeah, it's back. There's there's you have to have proof of, of COVID nineteen vaccination to attend. Um, but it's really, it's exciting. I think, um, you know, the, it's a huge lineup. So, um, 
I think tickets are still available. If you want to go, you could go to nycwff.org and also follow on social media at hashtag nycwff and handle nycwff. So hope to see you there. Um, and for my solo dining experience this week, it's at Lodi. So here's the rundown. The location, 1 Rockefeller Plaza, Midtown, New York City. The concept, an all-day restaurant inspired by Italian aperitivo culture. The owner and chef is Ignacio Matos. Why did I go? Well, I'm a fan of Ignacio's other restaurants. He's got Estella and Altro Paradiso. And um, this sounded like a lovely way to spend the afternoon, fresco dining in the middle of Rockefeller Center. So um, I was in. My experience, I made a reservation for one. It was late afternoon on a Saturday. I was warmly greeted and sat at a nice two-top on the plaza. I was actually facing, it's right across the corner from where the Today Show um, is, is produced in, in, uh, in Rockefeller Center. Great service, had a really lovely meal. Ignacio was there, I got to see him, which is, was nice. Um, and so it was, it was lovely. What did I get? I got the ensalada de mar, which is shrimp, calamari, and mussels. It's a little salad with that, served cold. Um, I got a, a spirit-free spritz. It had aper, aperitif rosso, grapefruit, and orange bitter. And I also, they brought out a complimentary bread basket with olive oil. And um, my take on it, it was it was a really lovely late lunch. It was it was light. It was delicious. Um, I love the the spritz and the salad. It just went really well together, and the bread was fantastic. Uh, so the ambiance. So it's it's outdoors. Um, there isn't the indoors is more of a a grab and go. There's some stools inside, and it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous gorgeous bakery set set up. Outdoors is on the plaza, and it's very spacious. You're right in Rock Center. Good for people watching. Perfect for sharing a bite or a drink with a friend or going solo. Interesting tidbit: um, Lodi is named for the Italian verb lodare, which means to praise. And Ignacio has uh, established an ambitious baking program that incorporates a variety of house-milled flours and breads, including fermented rice for pastries. Next time I go, I definitely have to do pastries and coffee. Let's um, get to why I didn't do pastries and coffees this, this time in a minute. Um, and here it is, personal fun fact. So after this lunch, I have this a client I work with, uh, Gumption Coffee, and they were doing a barista challenge competition, and I was one of the judges. So I, I had to get some food in, in my stomach before going over this and getting sampling lots of lattes, which was really fun and delicious. Um, so that's why I didn't do coffee this time at Lodi. I figured it might be a little overkill. Um, another personal fun fact, just a shout out to a chef I met this weekend, uh, Paul Crescent Jr. of Polyboy Enterprises. He's based in Asheville, North Carolina, and he was in New York City this weekend. And we met up for a lunch at Ivan Ramen, and he's a huge supporter of the show. So I just wanted to say thank you, Paul, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of your time in New York City. And it was great to meet you. And the cost of this meal at Lodi is, was $34, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is LodiNYC.com, Instagram, LodiNYC, that's L-O-D-I. There you go. What do you think, Brett? Have you been there? <laughs> no, but I can't wait to go now. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was great. He's going to be, he's not open for dinner yet. Um, he's waiting for his liquor license, but I think as soon as that comes in, can be open for dinner too. Oh yeah, well that's that's a that's I can understand his pain on that. We we were just <laughs> uh, given our provisional liquor license, so we uh, are on our final stage. But it was a long time. Oh, I feel you. I don't know every restaurant I've worked with. It's always it's always so many so many obstacles you have to go through and licenses to to get open. So. Um, yeah, it's and it's so it's across the board, like when, it, you know, when mm -hmm. with so, so one day, I hope this gets easier for you for you guys. Um, so, OK, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is David Burke, Chef David Burke. 
He is yeah. one of the best known and most respected chefs in modern American and French cuisine, and he's considered a leading pioneer in the culinary arts. Uh, so much to talk about with David. I'm excited to have him on. So, uh, Brett, what would you like to ask David? You know, when I think about Chef Burke, the thing that that, that I, I, I'm constantly amazed by is his ability to, to just always reinvent himself. Like he just doesn't seem to ever stop or slow down. So my, my one question is like, how do you keep doing it? But really, I guess, since he's had such a, a, a tremendous amount of experience in, in, in length of time in various markets, I really would be interested to hear from David, like, what would he like most to see change in our industry? Wow, that's a good question. Um, and you're right, he has reinvented himself or constantly like the, the amount of projects he's done over the years is incredible. So, um, truly, truly remarkable. Yeah. I have a lot of admiration for his, uh, fortitude. Me too. Um, well, great. I will ask him and that's the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy. I know you and, and, and the, and to hear about this path you've been on, it's um, it's inspiring, I have to say. And I can't wait to come into Gotham and see what you've created. Can't wait to have you, Sherry. Please let me know as soon as, as, soon as you can come in. I will. I definitely will. And I will see you there soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. So my guest today has been Brett. Census. He is the owner of Gotham Restaurant, the beloved 1984 restaurant reinvented and reopening in fall 2021 in Greenwich Village in New York City, coming up soon. His website is GothamBarnGrill.com. You can follow him at Gotham12E12 at Brett underscore Census underscore food and at Gotham Chocolates. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Now, before I close out, I just want to send my sincerest condolences to Heritage Radio Network's founder, Patrick Martins, and his family. Very sad news this weekend. His beloved wife, Anne Saxelby, passed away. She was at the age of 40, which is super young. And I've seen many posts about it. The whole industry is really sad. And I'm very sad. We are just heartbroken. So I just, um, Anne, if you didn't know, was the founder of Saxelby Cheesemongers. And she was also the original host of Cutting the Curd podcast here on Heritage Radio Network. So I'm really sorry to share this news. And again, my sincerest condolences to Patrick and his family. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in and then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.